Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Thirty-eight-year-old Leanne Fletcher was the kind of person who would stop everything they were doing to help another person out, while also never being afraid to speak her mind. She was selfless and no bullshit. She was a single mother of two kids, six and fourteen, and when they started coining the term "mama bear," they probably had her in mind. Those were her babies. No matter how old they got, she would stop at nothing to protect and provide for them. When it came to providing, Leanne had it in the bag. She didn't have all the money in the world, but she did make sure that she and her children were living the best life they could in their little beachfront community. They lived in the cutest little cottage off of West Kitty Hawk Road, and if I didn't go into detail about how beautiful this house was, it would be a disservice. Kitty Hawk Road is a pretty well-traveled road, and the house Leanne lived at was something you would definitely turn your neck for when you were driving by. It was small, but it had these big peaks that almost made it look like a beach-themed gingerbread house, and it took wraparound porches to the next level and had a wraparound deck. As if the house wasn't beautiful enough, it had this big flat front yard with perfectly green grass and a white picket fence around the entire thing. Just to add even more flair, there was an arbor over top of the gate to get in. From the outside looking in, you would never imagine that anything bad would ever happen there. Leanne loved everything about living in Kitty Hawk. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the show Outer Banks or have seen OBX bumper stickers at some point in your life, and that's where Kitty Hawk is. It's a very small beach town, and aside from surf shops, a few restaurants, hotels, and gas stations, there's not much else to it. Leanne liked to spend her time outdoors and at the beach as often as she could, and that's exactly what she did on July 20th, 2020. As the kids were off to a family member's house that night, she switched between helping tourists fish off the shore and heading to the beach herself. She added photos of her day to her Facebook story along the way. In a video her family put together titled Justice for Leanne, you can see her last Facebook post that showed a plumbing truck on the side of the road with pipes falling off of it with the caption, Final Destination Shit. Words that her family says foreshadowed what unbeknownst to her was to come. Two days later, at 9.24 a.m. on July 22nd, a 911 call came out of Leanne's house, but it wasn't from her. It was from a 28-year-old man named Jay Tolson. His voice was shaky, but not rushed. In a call that can be heard in the Justice for Leanne video, which I'll link in her highlight, Jay tells the dispatcher that he found his friend unresponsive in the bathtub. He says that he thinks she fell the night before and that there was blood coming out of her nose. The dispatcher repeated what he'd said, asking if she'd fallen, and Jay said yes, that she'd been drinking and fell in the kitchen. Which is odd because just about 1.4 seconds ago, he said he thought she fell the night before and that she was in the bathtub. Now, all of a sudden, she'd been drinking the night before and had fell in the kitchen. But hey, people handle stress differently, and maybe he was just trying to say that she had fallen the night before, and that's how he came to the conclusion that she might have fallen in the bathtub. To get some more information about the victim, who we know as Leanne, the dispatcher asked him how old she was. 
He didn't seem to know off the top of his head and said that he thinks she's like 38. So far, he's not doing the best here, but let's keep going. As the call goes on, Jay says that Leanne is breathing really loudly. This is somewhat good news because we know at the very least, Leanne is still alive. The dispatcher tells him not to move her unless she's in danger, not to splint any injuries, which is something I didn't know about until I heard this call, and to keep an eye out for any changes. While Jay waited for EMS to get there, you hear him call out Leanne's name, but he doesn't seem panicked or worried when he says it. It almost sounds like he's annoyed with her. Hearing that he just tried to get Leanne's attention, the dispatcher asked if she'd had any response. You know, did she try to say anything or did she move? Jay tells her that Leanne shuffled once but then started convulsing a minute ago, so he pulled her up to make sure she wasn't going to throw up. Hold on, so first of all, he didn't lead with the fact that his like 38-year-old friend Leanne had just been convulsing? And having been in a few bathtubs in my 33 years on this earth, I know that they're not that big. If he had to lift her up in the bathtub to keep her from aspirating, assuming that's what he meant, what position was she in before? Because I don't know a grown woman who can lay out flat on her back in a bathtub. Anywho, within four minutes or so, you can hear someone come over the radio and ask the dispatcher for clarification on the numerics of the house. This isn't surprising because the driveway is kind of behind the house and might be a little hard to find. She asks Jay if he can go outside and flag them down, and he says that he sees them. But again, his emotions are just odd. He doesn't seem panicked. He doesn't seem relieved. He just says that he sees them. Once EMS got there, shit got real, real fast. According to that Justice for Leanne video, they found her sitting up in the bathtub with her face resting on her chest. She had no clothes on and was dry. She was breathing, but not well, and her pupils were slow to respond. Almost immediately, they came to the conclusion that she was suffering from a possible head trauma. According to the report, Leanne's friend, Jay, told them that she'd been drinking and had gone to take a bath the night before, and that's the last time she was seen before being found. I think it's a good time to rehash the stories this friend has told at this point. One, he thinks she fell in the bathtub. Two, that she was drinking and fell in the kitchen the night before. And now three, that she had been drinking and went to take a bath. Could they all be true if you mix and match them in a different order? It's possible, but it's also strange. If Leanne had been taking a bath, certainly she would have plugged the tub and filled it up before getting in, right? If she had slipped when she was in the tub, where did the water go? Even if there was a slow leak, you'd think you'd find at least a little water left, right? Or some kind of pruning to her body, but remember, she was dry. As EMS assessed the situation, they pulled Leanne out of the tub and put her onto the floor. When it comes to checking the severity of a head injury, patients are given a GCS score. It measures different visual, verbal, and motor responses. Each response is worth a certain number of points, and if you score high, the head injury is likely minimal. If your score is lower, it breaks down into ranges to assess how bad the damage is. Any score between 13 and 15 indicates a minor brain injury, a score between 9 and 12 indicates a moderate brain injury, and any score between 3 and 8 indicates a major brain injury. When Leanne was found, she scored a 4. Shortly after, she was moved down to a 3. 
Whatever happened to Leanne was bad and she needed help fast. EMS tried to intubate her, but her airway was too restricted. The report used a grading scale and it was almost about as restricted as you can get. They did everything they could to try and create an airway for her, but wound up having to use a bag and mask as long as her blood oxygen level stayed within a safe range. Unfortunately, it didn't stay there very long. As Leanne was being transported to the hospital, the report states that copious amounts of blood started to come out of her nose and mouth, and it was coming out at a rate that their suction couldn't keep up with. Leanne wasn't getting enough air, and they wound up having to essentially give her emergency surgery to create an airway through her neck. She was stabilized enough to be med-flighted to a hospital in Norfolk, Virginia, and on the flight was able to be hooked up to a ventilator, and a central line was drilled into her leg bone. She had absolutely no response to the pain. Once at the hospital, Leanne was rushed into surgery where they found severe swelling on her brain. They did everything they could, but Leanne fell into a coma. While all of this was happening, Leanne's family had absolutely no idea that there was anything wrong. It wasn't until the following day around lunchtime that they were even notified. They rushed to the hospital to be with her, but when they saw her, her cousin Trisha, who's a nurse, immediately felt like something wasn't right. She spoke to the doctor, who, according to the Virginian pilot, told her that Leanne's injuries were indicative of being beaten as opposed to a fall. Her family immediately suspected that her boyfriend had done something to her. Her live-in boyfriend, Jay, who, according to Trisha, had left the house in Leanne's vehicle. If Jay lived with Leanne, how did he not notice that she didn't come out of the bathroom or not hear her fall in that tub? That's not exactly a quiet event. According to Wavy 10, Leanne had met Jay in mid-June after being kicked out of wherever the hell he'd been staying. Having a bleeding heart for anyone who needed anything, Leanne told him that she had an extra room and that he was more than welcome to stay with her. As the days passed, the two became close, and come July, they were in a full-blown relationship. A relationship that, from the sounds of it, was rocky, to say the least, and short-lived. A witness told the family's PI, again seen on the Justice for Leanne video, that the day before Leanne was found, Jay had called her just to swear at her and call her names. This witness also said that Jay told him that he was going to beat Leanne's ass when they got home. At 4 a.m. the morning she was found, the video states that Jay made a phone call to someone who didn't answer. However, that someone called him back about four and a half hours later, around 8.30 a.m. This person told the police that Jay was crying, saying that he'd found her in the bathtub and that she had blood coming out of her nose. The guy told him to call 911 and said that had he not called Jay back that morning, he doesn't think he would have called 911 saying that Jay was just going to leave because he didn't know what to do. That call happened almost an hour before Jay actually called 911. Taking into account that reported outgoing call from Jay at 4 a.m., it makes you wonder how long Leanne had been in that tub. 
We know that Leanne's cousin Trisha said that Jay left the house in Leanne's vehicle, but he didn't skip town. Naturally, he didn't show up for work that day, and when they called him around 10.30, the video states that Jay told them that an ambulance had come and that they were treating it like a domestic violence situation. Some shit about not telling him what was going on. Though, for someone who seems so butthurt about not being told what was going on, it's not like he was sitting at her bedside waiting for any signs of movement or checking on how she was doing. Hell, he hadn't even bothered to call her family to let them know what had happened. The day after Leanne was found in the bathroom, while her family was hoping and praying for any improvement of her condition, Jay was back at work and running his mouth. A witness told the PI that he knows for a fact that Jay and Leanne got physical because, according to him, Jay told him so as he was crying. Apparently, Jay also told him that Leanne had taken a whole bottle of muscle relaxers, slipped in the tub, and OD'd. Let's add that to the list of tales Jay has told. If she had taken a bottle of muscle relaxers, isn't that something you'd want to let 911 know about? Wouldn't you have called 911 the second you found out about it? In the end, this witness told the PI that Jay just kept lying to him and that he told Jay to turn himself into the police. But Jay wasn't in police custody, not even a little bit. Despite there being reports shown in the video that listed the incident as an assault on a female and assault inflicting serious injury. The Outer Banks voice noted that Jay was a possible person of interest for a possible assault and that they were looking for him, but he wasn't exactly hard to find. They did find him, they did interview him, and he was released without charges. All while Leanne laid in a hospital bed in Virginia with very little chance of survival. On day two of Leanne's stay in the hospital, the same day Jay went back to work, Leanne's family urged the police department to start an investigation into what happened to her. If it was truly an accident, then it was an accident, but how would they know if they didn't process the house? Her family went back to the home with some officers, and initial reports state that they found blood on her comforter, fitted sheet, and pillow. According to the family's video, to their knowledge, police collected three pieces of evidence and didn't do any further processing of the home. On July 25th, 2020, 38-year-old mother Leanne Fletcher passed away. She fought as long and hard as she could, but the damage to her brain was just too much. Frustrated with the response from the police department, her family met with a PI the following day. Having already heard mentions of the PI throughout this episode, you are free to rightfully assume that they went straight to work interviewing witnesses and collecting evidence. They went back to Leanne's house on the 29th and videotaped the entire thing. We mentioned this video a lot in this episode, and I think it's really important to emphasize that Leanne's family knew in their gut that something bad had happened and made sure to document every step they took to prove it. The video can be heartbreaking to watch at times, but it was their full reality and one that they intended to share with the world until something was done about it. As her family and the PI walked through Leanne's home with a video camera, they found blood seemingly everywhere they turned. That blood on her bed was not just some tiny amount. It was several saturated areas and amounts that don't seem like they could come from any kind of normal life event. There were several large pools of blood on the left-hand side of the bed towards the top that led over to the right, 
and there was some blood on the front right of the mattress, a massive amount of blood on a pillow, and a significant amount on a second pillow. The mattress was pulled back maybe a foot off of the base of the bed, and underneath, they found a red shirt that was saturated with blood. If she was found in the bathroom, why was there so much blood all over her bed and a blood-soaked shirt found tucked under it? And if you recall, Leanne was found without any clothes on. Moving on throughout the house, they found what appeared to be drops of blood on the floor in front of the bed, what looked like smeared blood on the left wall, drops of blood on the coffee table in the living room, and oddly enough, there didn't seem to be any blood found in the bathroom, not even in the tub she was found in. The PI collected all the evidence they could and handed it over to the police department along with a chain of custody in Leanne's phone. They fully anticipated a call from the department to come unlock the house so they could process it themselves, but four weeks passed, and according to that video, they still hadn't. Because no one had come back to the house, the PI decided that he was going to go back on his own, with family members and a camera, of course, and use a chemical called Blue Star to see if there was any blood that they'd missed because it wasn't visible to the naked eye. I don't think any of them could have ever imagined what they were about to find. The Justice for Leanne video does an extremely detailed walkthrough of the house with explanations and before and after photos. With the Blue Star, they found evidence of blood on a towel sitting on top of the laundry basket, on top of the washing machine, inside the hamper, on the couch in the living room, on the floor in front of the couch in the living room, on the kitchen floor, on the bedroom door handle, on the bathroom door handle, on the knobs to the wardrobe in the bathroom, and on the bathroom medicine cabinet. When it came to the bathroom, which seemed pretty clean to the naked eye, the blue star picked up what appeared to be blood on the vanity, but it seemed to be confined to the area inside the sink, you know, like where you'd wash your hands. As for the bathtub, the only potential blood it picked up was a small area in the front left where you'd put your feet and all around the knobs and spout. It goes without saying, but this was a scene that needed a lot of professional forensic attention. Throughout August, Leanne's family took to Facebook to tell anyone who would listen about what was going on. They wanted justice for her, but felt like nothing was being done and people were listening. The social media presence behind the Justice for Leanne movement was so strong that, according to Leanne's cousin Trisha, the chief of police's wife took to Facebook to post her own thoughts about what was going on. In the screenshot Trisha shared, it read, If you live on the OBX, you know the local law enforcement here is hardworking, trained, caring, professional, fair, and approachable. My husband is the chief of police of Kitty Hawk. He has more integrity than any human I've ever known. He leads a solid department. They are well-trained and dedicated to justice. If you live on the OBX, you also know the scrutiny that the KHPD has been under due to the unfortunate death of Leanne Fletcher. It's an ongoing investigation. The law enforcement officials, DA, and detectives take this very seriously. Therefore, they cannot comment on the social media investigation. 
I appreciate the integrity of my friends. They know that silence is the best answer. Law and order is never solved on Facebook. Tell that to don't fuck with cats. Can you imagine begging for the police department to process the home of your loved one whom you believe was murdered after the P.I. you hired found possible traces of blood all over the damn place and all you get is the chief's wife telling you all about her friends and that silence is the best answer? Without a doubt, August was frustrating and obnoxious, but in September, something changed. Trisha made a post asking for people to cooperate with the police, that if they contact you asking for a statement, to basically fight every urge to be frustrated or tell them that you've already given it to the PI, that they all need to work together. It sounded like the ball was finally rolling in the official investigation, and it was. According to the Outer Banks Voice, the State Bureau of Investigation was brought in to assist, and they weren't playing around. Trisha told the outlet that investigators were now working day and night to speed up the investigation, specifically pointing out that that wasn't the case prior. Regardless of the SBI being involved now, Leanne's family wasn't going to stop their own investigation. On September 29th, Trisha posted to Facebook asking if anyone had seen Jay recently because she'd gotten wind that he might be out of state. And I'll be damned if the elite squad known as the I'm Gonna Find Out unit didn't show up in full force. I shit you not, the comments rolled in saying that he might be staying at the Comfort Inn, with another one saying that he definitely was staying at the Comfort Inn because the commenter always saw him sitting at the back door drinking Mike's Hard. The Mike's Hard comment was on point because another person said that the convenience store clerk said that Jay would come in regularly to buy it. The issue was that no one seemed to have seen him in days. Leave that to the Kitty Hawk community to figure out, though. Before long, they found out that a local church had gotten Jay some dental work and sent him off to a rehab in Maine. Because of one single Facebook post by the cousin of the victim, a possible person of interest was tracked down to a specific state all the way across the country. On October 13th, 2020, Leanne's autopsy report finally came in. According to the Outer Banks Voice, her cause of death was listed as blunt force trauma with hepatic cirrhosis and clinical hepatic failure, essentially liver failure, as contributing. Though her manner of death was listed as undetermined, it only took 13 more days until the outlet announced that a grand jury had indicted Leanne's boyfriend, Jay Tolson, on charges of second-degree murder. You know where they found him? Fucking Maine. The Daily Mail reported on the Facebook Live Trisha posted after his arrest, where, through her tears, she said, Everybody, give yourself a pat on the back because if it wasn't for us and pushing this and pushing this and pushing this, we would not be where we're at right now. We got him, y'all. We burned his ass and now we just have to make sure he actually serves his time so the fight is not over. We got that bastard. The wait for Jay's trial has been a difficult one for Leanne's family. 
They were assigned a victim's advocate, but in March of 2021, Trisha posted an article informing the public that Jay's hearing had been continued. She didn't just post it to let everyone know, though. She posted it to let everyone know that that's how she found out. Not from anyone within the court system. She found out when the world did from the news. In October of 2021, Trisha wrote that a trial date had finally been set for May 31st of this year, telling Wavy 10 that they weren't interested in any plea deals. I'd love to tell you for certain that Jay will stand trial in just a few weeks, but in a post made just days ago on May 2nd, 2022, Trisha said that she and Leanne's mother were supposed to get a call that day to let them know whether or not the trial was set to begin this month or in July but says that they waited and the call never came. This is a case where a family knew something was wrong and stopped at nothing to make sure that the world knew about it and that nothing was missed during the investigation. The community of Kitty Hawk and the online community rallied behind Leanne and her family and stopped at nothing to make sure that there was justice for the woman who they say would have done the exact same thing for any one of them. As court dates are confirmed and there are any updates in Leanne's case, I will be sure to let you know. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Leanne's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch, and of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.